Some people will look at us a little bit funny when we talk about being homesick for heaven. They think that's just something good that happens to you after you die if you're lucky. We don't believe in luck, do we? That's a witchcraft word. You know, uh, there's tender moments that you have with the Lord. I, sometimes you're more expressive. Sometimes you really let go uh, a little bit easier when you're, when you're all by yourself. I was, I was working just, a few, you know, not long ago and I was, I was doing some uh, carpentry work and I was thinking about the Lord and I was thinking, you know, Lord, it would be so nice if you just walked up the street right now and you had your tools in your hand and you just come over and worked with me and talked with me, <laughs> sat down under the tree and ate a sandwich with me and we could just fellowship and just, you know, I know it's kind of a strange thought, but just be buddies for a little while. It's such a closeness, such an intimacy, you know. Yeah. See, the world doesn't understand it. Yeah. They, they don't have a concept of it because, because he's not revealed himself to everybody. Yeah. That's really sad. It's really sad. It's my, my greatest wish to in some way cause somebody to be hungry enough to realize that they're blind. Like the song said, you know, that they're blind. There's something else that could be seen. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be just a beautiful thing for him just to come on back right now and get us? We just walk away with him. Man, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little bit, a little bit emotional there. If you will, turn to uh, John chapter 4. Extremely familiar Extremely familiar scriptures. The Lord led me here. Uh, I was, I've been studying this. I talked, about, I talked on this subject a little bit with the youth, the last youth meeting. and uh, Some of that will be repeated, but the Lord's took me in a different direction. As you study something, it continues to unfold. And when, uh, you know, some people, maybe they're streaming, they might start to, they might turn to a, stream some other place when they hear me start this scripture because it's so familiar but we know the scripture is going to unfold throughout eternity there's no end to it and there's no end to what we're going to see in it or what's there because it's eternal it's not man made John 4 1 when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John Though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, my greatest desire, the greatest, deepest desire of my heart right now is that you be lifted up, that your word come alive before us, that you reveal yourself and that someone see more of you than they ever have before. Maybe take one more step closer to you tonight, Lord, so that they, their, their time here would not be in vain. Lord, that's my greatest desire. That's the thing I ask you for. And you said we have not because we ask not. I ask, Lord, that you have mercy on us. And that you reveal your presence to us and, your, and yourself to us. We ask your blessing on the reading of the word and the preaching tonight, Lord. And I just ask you to set me out of the way. And become really intimate with your children. 
Love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I've, I've, I might be seeming a little sentimental tonight, but uh, the, the love of the Lord has just has really been impacting me more and more and more as we go on this journey together. It's uh, become stronger and stronger. And it's become what I've found to be my overcoming power in almost any situation is that I can trust him. And I know that no matter what Satan's yelling in my ear, he loves me. He loves me. And Satan tries to lie to us all the time. He tries to constantly tell us and hold up our mistakes, hold up our failures, hold up anything, you know, any, any trouble we might be going through, any strife we might be facing, any perplexity or hardship. He holds it up to us constantly like somebody screaming in our ear so that he can distract us from the fact that we are loved beyond any measure that we can understand. We're loved. And, and the mighty power of that love he doesn't want us to understand that. He doesn't want, to, want us to see it. Anyway, uh, I'd like to, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I've, I might come across as a little sentimental, but I was, I was thinking, you know, I was in the Baptist church and I longed for a closer relationship with the Lord. I was looking and striving to get closer to Him, to understand Him better. And it was funny, a Pentecostal guy was the one who actually whet my appetite more than anything because he was talking about experiences he had in Pentecost. And I was like, I've never experienced that. There's either, either he's a liar and there's something wrong with him or I, I need something else. There's more of the Lord for me. And and Lord set me on fire that way. He pulled me that way. That's, that's the, 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 the hook in the, in the shepherd's cane that he got me with. And he got started pulling me closer and, and teaching me to seek him. And he brought me to this message through the witness and the testimony of a brother. And... It was a hardship. Just like many of you faced, it was a hardship. Uh, all these new ideas, all this new revelation, the Lord revealing himself and you finding out, did I even know the Lord at all before I heard this? Was I even really saved at all before I heard this word, before I, before I came to this? You know? And, I, and, and you know, I saw baptism and I wanted to be baptized and I came here. And I've thought about the journey that, that, that I've been on while I've been here at Happy Valley. And it's such a beautiful thing to think about, you know. I come in here to get baptized and to receive the promise that comes with it. To take the Lord's name in baptism and to receive the promise of the Holy Ghost that goes with it. Because I wanted the Holy Ghost more than anything else. I'd put everything else aside. I didn't care. I didn't care what anybody said. I didn't care what anybody thought. I did exactly what Brother Branham said without even knowing it at the time. I had not heard him say those words, but I put everything aside because I wanted the Holy Ghost. I wanted to be closer to God. I knew the fleeting, temporary nature of this world and how one day, very soon, we'll all be gone. You know, I've often said that I can promise you that, the, that you're going to see the Lord in your lifetime. Because everybody whether they go by the grave or whether they go in the rapture. One way or the other, you're going to come into the presence of the Lord as a believer. So looking at these things, I looked at the journey. I was looking back, reminiscing a little bit. 
Not in a bad way. Not in the way we're not supposed to look back. But I was just looking back, thinking about the way the Lord had blessed me and the way He's brought me through this, this, this journey. And I thought about all the, the great things that I've seen, I've witnessed, the miracles I've seen, the, the people I've met, the testimonies I've heard, the sermons I've heard. I've watched people sacrifice their, their time, their nerves, just to bring the Word to me. And for Brother Donnie to, to you know, ask any man to be in this pulpit is a great honor. But I doubt that any one of you, had you seen me before the Lord got a hold of you, would ever believe in your wildest imagination that Brother Donnie would be asking this guy right here to be standing in this pulpit. But you didn't come here to see Wes Willis. You came to see an emptied out vessel given over to the Lord to speak to you. So I need you to, I need you to get your sickums going. I need you to pull on God. Because that's the anointing we want. Isn't it? Isn't that what we want? We don't want to hear about me. We want to hear about the Lord Jesus. We want Him to be lifted up. We want Him to be exalted. And you know, it's my greatest desire to exalt Him. And we're going to go into those reasons right now. The definition of the word Lord. Someone or something having power, authority, or influence. A master or ruler. The word master. Gain control of. Overcome. Complete knowledge or skill. Main. Principle. Having or showing very great skill or proficiency. A man in charge. A man who has people working for him. Especially servants. God. The supreme or ultimate reality. Such as a being of per perfect in power, wisdom, and goodness. Who is worshipped as creator and ruler of the universe. Is... is is this who our God is? Amen. Most definitely, that's where we place Him. We place Him in this place. But where did He place Himself? How did He show His great power? What was the manifestation of God's power? What was the greatest manifestation of God's power? Was it when He split the Red Sea? Was it when He spoke the word light and light appeared? Was it when He, he spoke the worlds into existence? What was the greatest manifestation of God's power? What, what, what was, it, was it when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? What was his manifestation of power? What is the greatest power that God has ever manifested? You know, we can look at God. We can look at anything that we consider to be God. Whatever our idea is. Whatever revelation we have. Whatever personal revelation we have of what or who God is. We can look at that and Everybody here would have some slight differences. Because some have got more revelation than others. Some have got more understanding than others. Some are just embarking on this journey. And God is just the one who's in charge. And you don't want to go to hell. You've heard about hell. You've heard about heaven. You want to go to heaven. Does everybody want to go to heaven? Okay, everybody that raised their hand, God's bound and determined to make a way for you. So don't worry. Let's let go. Let's just, let's just give ourselves over to Him tonight. You know, all these things that, that represent what we call a worshipful leader, a God. All of these things are something that I sought in life. I sought to know Him. I'd seen a book when I was a young boy called Who Is This Jesus? And just the cover of it's all I ever saw. I don't even know what the book's about, so don't go read the book. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to say, you know, it, it, it struck my heart when I read those words. Who is this Jesus? had a, a graphic picture of his face with the thorns. And I thought, I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I want to know God. 
I don't want to know about him. I want to know him. And I think that's the attitude. I think that's the position of the bride. I mean, who wants an arranged marriage? You know, who wants to be forced into it? Who wants to go because they're afraid? How many of you sisters wanted to marry your husband because you were afraid that you wouldn't be able to provide for yourself or you were afraid that maybe you couldn't do any better? Or maybe Who wants to go into a marriage like that? Don't you want to go into a marriage because you love the person you're going to marry? They're your everything? You want to know them. You want to know all about them. I think it would be hard to be in love with somebody that you didn't know anything about. The love at first sight thing, to me, you know, that's all emotion. Because true love takes time. It takes getting to know someone. It's proven, it's already proven that an arranged marriage, people, you know, that's terrifying to young people. You start talking about arranged marriage. But they're actually more successful than when people pick their own mate. Less divorce rate. Because they get put into the marriage and then they slowly get to know the person. And they don't start out with with any kind of knowledge or any understanding of who this person is. They just enter into the arrangement and then as they get to know the person they grow together in love they begin to appreciate the person that they feared because an arranged marriage your first start your first thing your first thing you think is oh no i don't want to do this i should be able to pick my own mate i should be free to do that and see that's sort of the balance with our groom he arranged this marriage (laughs) he did But he was a gentleman because he didn't force himself on us. He loved us. I was talking to the young people about how how each one of us, and I want you to put yourself in this position tonight, each one of us was fearfully and wonderfully made. There was a point in time where God focused every bit of his attention on you. Personally, just you. Nobody else. Not the world as a whole, not humanity as a whole, not even Christianity as a whole, but you. He picked your eye color. He picked your hair color. He picked the, the path of your life, what you, where you would be born, who your parents would be. He, he, he designed you. He formed and fashioned you. He loved you. Before you ever knew Him. He loved you before you ever even knew Him. He had this great overpowering love that couldn't be understood. And he was God. He was God. He was all powerful. And people who look at God and resent that, they never they they, they don't give him a chance. They see him as unfair. They don't want the arranged marriage. They don't want anything to do with it when they hear about it. When they hear about predestination, they're like, that's not fair. I should be able to choose. I want to be able to say that I had something in this. I did something. I chose to love God. I won the prize. Because of something I did. But that's not how he wanted it. He wanted something that couldn't be broken. Something that couldn't be bent. Something that might appear to be damaged. 
what was safe in the back of his mind where nobody could touch it. Now Jacob's well was there. I want you to think about this for a minute. Look at the, look at the power. Look at the planning in this meeting. If you go back to verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. These men were contentious. They were debaters. They were politically minded. Their idea of religion was like a business. That religious spirit was alive and well within the Pharisaical structure. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the bickering, the debates, the divisions, the lording over each other, the struggle for power. All of it was there. It made Jesus sick. He could see they weren't debating over what he had said, over what he preached, over what he was doing. They weren't embracing the, the arrival of the Messiah. They were debating over who would baptize the most. And how, how, how popular is this guy? Is he a danger? Is he a threat? Jesus wasn't wanting to fool around with being confronted at that point. It wasn't time. And he knew what they were thinking and he left. That's a, that's a dangerous place to be. We could all easily find ourselves there. Debating and contending over things that just simply don't matter to God. The simplicity of it is he has an undivided body on this earth. A body, a bride that he loves. That's not divided by hate and contention and debate and strife. But is known by their love one for another. That is how the bride is known. Are we known for that? That's what the scripture declares. Are we known for that? For our love one for another? So here at Jacob's Well, I get overwhelmed thinking about Jacob's Well. <laughs> when you study the scripture and you look at it and you, 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 you read the accounts through the ages and you look at this spot and you're like, my goodness, look, think about all the things that took place right here at this well. Think about the things just all through the centuries, the things that took place. And Jesus prepared this meeting with his daughter. He went and he sat by that well. And it was all planned out. It was all planned out. This poor damaged woman. Every single one of those Pharisees would have picked up a stone to stone this woman. Every single one of them would have spit had she, had she brushed by them. Had she had the gall or the audacity to speak to them in the street. They would have spit and walked away. But Jesus went there to meet her. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the wall, on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh, and don't, don't ever miss it. We've been over this and over this. You've heard it all your life. You know, the sixth hour, we know that was the, that was the time of day when it was hot and nobody else would be there and she could go and be there by herself. 
But everything's written for a reason. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. I don't mean to pause so much, but this is just so beautiful. This is God. <laughs> this is God. And in this very story, he reveals the Godhead. Just in this simple story, and you're saying, Brother Wes, what, what difference does it make? What, you know, I don't understand all the Godhead stuff. I don't understand the seven seals. I don't understand the, the church ages, all this stuff. Do I really need to know all that stuff? It's a love letter. It's beautiful. It's the revelation. And when I say that, it's just simply him saying, here I am. Let me show you about myself. Learn of me. Let me open myself and become vulnerable to you and show you who I am so that you can fall in love with me. Now this is God. This is God. With the flip of a finger, He could wipe the whole earth away. He could, he could clean the slate and start over if He wished. With the snap of a finger. This is God. Sam, would you give me a drink? For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? I was talking with the kids about this. I said, she's a little bit of a smart aleck. She might have wondered what his motive was. Oh, he came out here when he knew I'd be out here alone. She doesn't know who he is, but she knows men. For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. <laughs> the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou living water? She's still being a little bit of a smart aleck. You know, when you're in a position where you think you've got something somebody else needs, if you're not careful, you can get a haughty attitude about it. Come on. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank therefore thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And she's reminding him right now, you may think you're better than me, but guess what? We got the same granddaddy. Cousin. Our father, Jacob, she said. I love it. She was, she was a spitfire. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now this seems like a mystery, doesn't it? Like a poem, like a, like a, like a riddle. Like there's not a whole lot of clarity here. But this woman was no dummy. She was hanging on every word he said. She understood everything he was saying to her. 
The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither, hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Now we're about to turn a corner. Y'all are very familiar with this. I know. Just hang on. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou had, hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. This took her back a little bit. She's thinking for a second. Do I know him? Has he been through here before? Does he know somebody that knows me? Has he been asking about me? I've never seen him in town. You've got to imagine a big town. This, this congregation here alone would, would be a huge town. It would be a really big town. Everybody would know everybody. Everybody would be knowing everybody's business. You know what I mean. In Psalm 44, 21, I'll call to your, your remembrance. Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. See, God knows the secrets of the heart. Yeah. Only God knows the secrets of the heart. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. She's checking him out now. She's testing his doctrine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor... Yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Now we're talking about the Father. We're talking about God, right? It's all here. The Godhead's all in this passage. It's made simple enough for any child to understand. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. He's saying something that is blowing her mind. If you were alive at this time, what He's saying is so drastic. He's saying, hey, you'll be able to worship the same place I am. I'll be able to worship the same place you are, and it won't be here or in Jerusalem. It won't be in your temple or my temple. It'll be a place where the true worshiper will worship in spirit and in truth. It won't be a building. It won't be a geographical location like Jacob's well, even. It'll be in spirit that you worship God. And in truth. Not in debate, arguments, and riddles. It'll be in truth. All the garbage will be pushed away and the truth will come to the top. And that's the way you'll worship. I can't imagine how many circuits were blowing in this woman's mind because the way she responds to him, you can tell she's hanging on what he's saying. She's not just misunderstanding. She's not just letting it fly by. She's catching every word. I wish people in church would always listen like she did. And I, I'm not trying to be cute. I'm not trying to be cute, but we get, we get distracted. We get distracted sometimes and we quit listening and sometimes God's talking to us when, when yeah. you're doing that. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah's come, Messiah's cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Well, let's focus on that a minute. Messiah, what does it mean? Come on, somebody yell sick him. What's Messiah mean? 
anointed one. Anointed one, right? How many anointed ones had there been? Did she understand the power of the anointed one that was to come? Did she understand who he would truly be? The Jews knew that it would be God in a man, but did they understand? Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you look at it for just a second, you've got to think out of the, you know, I've got a list here that I wrote down. We'll start in Genesis. Anointed ones. Okay? Aaron was anointed. His sons were anointed. The priesthood. The tabernacle in the wilderness was anointed. The altar, it was anointed. Samuel was anointed. David was anointed. Absalom was anointed. Cyrus, a Gentile king who blessed Jews, he was anointed. The Bible declares it. You, go, you keep going over and over and over and over and again. So how, how is Jesus going to be special? What was going to be special about the Messiah she's talking about? The anointed one she's talking about. What was, what was going to be different about him? This one's going to blow you away. Ezekiel 28. Now I want you to hang with me for a minute. You know how I am. I jump all over the place. We'll try to tie it up at the end, okay? In Ezekiel 28, God gives Ezekiel a prophecy to take to the, the king of Tyrus. But I want you to catch something about God right here. God is emotional. God has love. He has passion. God has a heart. God's not a cold being up there sitting on a, a big gigantic concrete throne who, who just knows your name and some facts about you and is going to judge you one day. He has a passion. He has a heart. You're His creation and He loves you. Amen. And He is very passionate about you. And He is very concerned about you. And he's watching every single thing in your life. Right. And, I, and I say it all the time, but I'll say it again. If you pluck one hair out of your head, he knows how many are left. He loves you that much. He looks at you. He stews over you. He broods over you. He's personal. That's right. And this emotion comes out when he tells him what to tell the king of Tyrus, when he tells Ezekiel what to tell him. He says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now what had just happened? Was the, was the, was the king of Tyrus? Was he in the garden of Eden? What's happening to God right now? His heart... His broken heart is starting to show. Who is he speaking of? We'll read a little bit further. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, the gold, and the gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Here's God lamenting over his own creation. What is this creation? Who is it that he's speaking of? Yeah. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. 
Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You think that Satan was just a, a character in a play that God wrote? Do you think God did this with no emotion, no caring, no passion? Do you think that the fall of Satan was so predictable and cold and God just responded with no, no, no emotion, had no feeling about it? There's more to God than people realize. Amen. There's a greater love, a greater passion. There's a greater care to God than people ever can get a grasp of or hold on to. There's more to Him. There's so much more to Him. He's not the mean boss who punishes you when you're bad. He's so much more than just the judge. Though He is. But He's so much more than that. Listen to the broken heart of God. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as, a pro, as profane out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Listen to the warning. Because God's not just looking at the king of Tyrus. He's not just looking at Satan. There is a warning. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. By the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Satan was anointed. The anointed cherub. Anointed. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is cometh. I know the anointed one coming. What is coming? What was her conception? She needed revelation, didn't she? She needed revelation. If you're sitting there and you're saying, I hear about God, I know about God. From the time I was a little child till now, I've been raised up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But I don't have that relationship. He's not real to me. I'm not taking a hold of Him. He wants you to. She didn't know what to expect though. 
You have to know what to expect. This anointed one that's coming, they had all kinds of ideas about what he would be. They had all kinds of ideas. The Pharisees, they complied with the Roman government. They did what they were told. They agreed with them. They worked with them. They partnered with them because they thought they were smart. They didn't defy them because they didn't want to be destroyed. They wanted to have retain their power among the people. They would turn people in for doing wrong yeah. to the Roman government. Yeah. And these were supposed to be the relig religious leaders of the people. They did not love the people. They did not shepherd the people. They didn't stew over them and pray for them. Yeah. Go to their homes and care for them. They didn't even like to be touched by the common man. Yeah. That's what a religious spirit will do to you. They thought, we're going to be nice to the Romans until Messiah shows up. And then he's going to kill them all. And we'll be in charge again. Because the anointed ones that they had seen in the past were men who were anointed for one specific job or one calling or one area of life or to be king over the people or something like that. And that's what they were expecting because that's all you can get when you pour out the anointing of God on a man who was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. That's all you can expect. She did not know what this Messiah was going to be. They all expected a military leader to come in. That was one of the best things they expected. A rebel to come and free them from the bondage of Rome. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? Now listen to what she's doing while they're coming up, kind of looking at Jesus out of the corner of their eye and wondering what's going on. And why he'd be talking to this woman. And why he let them go by themselves and he stayed here alone. They're all got this stuff going through their minds. The woman then left her water pot. You remember when I said that there's nothing written in the scriptures for just no reason. Yeah. The woman then left her water pot. Do you realize to a person at this time in history, a water pot is an extremely important vessel in the home. It is life. It is valuable. It is expensive. It's large. For the water to not go bad, not to go sour, you had to have a coating on the inside. Depending on who the potter was and how it was done, it could have been many number of things. But this is an expensive vessel. The woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Now, 
She left her water pot behind. Sometimes we ask ourselves, how do we get a hold of faith? What is faith? I hear about it. I want it. When I pray, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my wife, my husband, if I'm sick and I pray, how do I produce faith? What is faith? What is, what is it? How do you produce it? We know that we're given a portion of it, but how do you activate it? How do you add the spark to the gas? How do you get it going? How do you get it moving so that it will activate and you can use it in your life? How do you, Brother Branham said it every time he got up. He'd sing that little song, Only Believe. He just he said it over and over and over again. He want, it's the one simplicity of God that everybody overlooks. They believe. When Jesus said that you'll never need any water again, she took it on every level you could. She said, I don't even need that water pot anymore. Oh my. She left it. She left it behind. Faith is action. Faith is praying that you'll be healed and knowing God and believing God enough to then tell somebody, I was healed. I was already healed and I just didn't know it. I got sideswapped by COVID or I got sideswapped by heart disease or I got sideswapped by whatever. And, but I didn't, I didn't realize it for, you know, I got rattled there for a little while, but I prayed and, and God brought it back to my remembrance. I'm already healed. I was, I was healed when he took those stripes for me. I was healed from the foundation of the world when the lamb was slain. I've always been healed. Satan's not damaged me. Not in eternity. He's taken out his anger on his own flesh. This is not who I am. Do you think Adam had canine teeth in the garden? You think he needed those to rip meat? There's, boy, there's, there's so much in here. There's so much in here. Oh my goodness. There's so much in here. We are a people who call, are called under the spirit of Elijah. It beats in this breast right here. I'll tell you that right now. God has aw- he's, he's awoken it. When he gave me the Holy Ghost, he gave me something much more. He gave me a strength. He gave me a faith. Something that was real. Not, not a philosophy. Not an idea. When I was younger, I sought God. I didn't know who God was. I didn't know which one was God. I didn't know if the Hindus were right. I knew the Buddhists were just a philosophy. They didn't really worship Buddha. They just had this philosophy that Buddha came up with. I, 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 didn't, know, I didn't know who. Did, what about Baal? If you were a teenager back in Elijah's days, your mom would say, don't hang around with those kids over there. Their dad's a priest of Baal. You'd be like, well, how do I know that he's not God? I don't know that one of the bales is not God. How do I know what's, what's real and what's not? How am I supposed to find out for myself? I looked at all that stuff. I studied all those things. I studied all the religions of the world. I couldn't get anything real out of it. I couldn't, get, I couldn't, get, I couldn't find substance. I couldn't find something I could hold on to. Something that would change me. When I met Jesus, I met change. I met change. I met the one who could change me. I know that one day I was this way and the next day I was that. And that everything was different from then on. 
the way I looked at everything. It's been a, it's, it's been a short journey. It's been a short journey. As far as time goes, one man's life has been a short journey. But look at the difference. I can look back and like I said, you would never believe that Brother Donnie would ask Wes Willis to come to this pulpit if you had known him before Jesus changed me. Before he led me with great love to repentance. Before he led me to salvation. Till he led me to the truth of the hour. Till he brought me to a spot right over there and sat me down. And Brother Donnie preached from this pulpit and set me free. I went and got baptized. I got the Holy Ghost. He gave it all to me. The ultimate show of faith is action. If you believe something, if you really believe it, you have no problem with the action part. You have no problem with the action part. You're like, I'm not supposed to wear shorts. I don't understand that. But who cares? That's going to get me closer to God. I'm going to go. I'll get the understanding on down the road. We'll find out. Amen. The biggest concern you got is, I guess people are going to treat me different. But who cares? Who cares? If, if I'm with Jesus, I don't care. I just, it makes me feel sorry for people who disagree and don't understand. It makes me feel sorry for them. And the ultimate show of power is humility. With the young people, I use the example of a slave on a slave ship. They get off that slave ship. They've been captured in Africa. They get off that slave ship. They go to the auction block. There's a man there that auctions off this human being. Like they were an animal. Or an object. This person is in so overwhelmed with such fear I cannot even fathom it. I can't imagine what that must have been like. To be brought across the ocean in the hull of a ship, treated like an, worse than an animal, and then brought up away from my family, away from my home, and brought onto a block and auctioned off to a, a master that I don't have never met. And they throw you on a wagon and they take you to the farm. And I said, this, this is the difference between the God of our imagination and the Lord Jesus Christ. The slave gets down off the wagon and the master comes out. And he comes down and he approaches this slave that he's just purchased. And he says, how was your trip? It must have been awful. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. We have prepared a banquet for you. You are going to be taken and washed and cleaned. You're going to be given new clothes. You're going to eat at the banquet table. You're going to sit in my place. I'm then going to take you to my bedroom. And I'm going to put you in my bed. The sheets have been changed. They're clean. I want you to get a good night's sleep. Is there anything I can do for you? The God of our imagination gets out his whip. Says, get in the bunkhouse. 
do as I say. Or you will pay the price. You will learn obedience. You'll do what I say or you will suffer. You'll do what I say whether you like it or not. That's the God of our imagination. He calls us brother. He can move the entire universe with the sweep of a hand and he calls us brother. He washed our feet. He died for us. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He did it all. I found the real God. I found a real God. I found a God that I'm not ashamed of. I found a God that I'm proud of. I found a God that I love who I know loves me. I found a God that nobody can get between me and Him. The prophets of Baal, they cut themselves. They screamed out. They cried. They punished their own bodies trying to get their God's attention. It wasn't even real. They did everything in their power to try to call down fire from heaven. Elijah's sitting over there. He's not worried. He knows there's no fire coming. He's not even concerned about it. He's not even thinking about it. Elijah's standing over there and he's going, you got your challenge? Let's go. He goes, uh, started making fun of him. He wasn't worried. But there's one thing, Brother Bram says in the Mark of the Beast, but there's one thing that's in reach of everybody, faith. Just believe it. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. God shall raise them up. And if the heathen, Buddhas and so forth, and unbelievers, raw heathens who worship idols, can accept it and be healed of blind, deaf, paralyzed, in, in, in South Africa, that one prayer over the congregation, 25,000 people got healed. Seven truckloads of crutches and wheelchairs and things that they had packed their loved ones on was picked up off the grounds after one prayer. Seven truckloads to clean the grounds for the next meeting. Oh God, we poor, educated heathens, so full of doubt and fear. Why do you do it? Oh, you can't cut loose every line this morning. Say, oh, there, there, there's a fountain filled with blood. My ears are open. My heart is open. The seed is here. Come, Lord Jesus, and make it real to me. And God will grant it. Amen. You want a hunger for a God that you can know yourself? You want you hungering for a God that is real to you? It's not a fantasy in your mind, not a, an imagination of your brain? Yeah. You want to know Him? Ask Him. Ask Him. He's real. Yes. Testimony after testimony. It's real. Yes, sir. You don't see testimony meetings amongst the heathen. You don't see it. I've seen Santa Maria. I've seen, I've seen the Hindus. I've seen all their ceremonies. I've seen all the stuff that they do, the idols they worship. People laying down in temples praying that a rat will run over them. Praying that a rat will drink milk out of their hand. They make their challenge to God and they can do nothing. They can't heal. They can't bring healing. These people hear about God one time, they get a little bit of faith and seven truckloads of crutches roll away in wheelchairs. That's a real God. Don't waste your time listening to the doubters and the scoffers 
Don't waste your time. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. There, there's one thing in uh, John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, it's a book of John, but it's, it's, it's uh, John the Baptist is given an account. Talking, he's talking about Jesus near the end of the chapter there in verse 34. He says, For he whom God hath sent, speaking of Jesus, speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. That little verse can swim right by you and you not catch it. But it tells us the difference in Jesus and the other anointed ones. Whether they be great and good or whether they be evil like Satan. It tells us the difference. Because God himself was able to give this anointing to Jesus. He's able to pour himself into Jesus without measure. All of him. All of him. All of him. And then what did Brother Branham say? And Christ, the mind of Christ, is to be in the church. And the mind of God was in Christ. And how that the Spirit led Christ, so ought His Spirit lead the church. These simple things. Things that seem so deep. Things, things that some people, they overwork it and they make it too hard for the people to grasp. They make it too hard. He loves us. He loves us so much. Listen to what He did. His Spirit lead the church. And all that God has poured into Christ, and all Christ was, He poured into the church. God could not put His full anointing on any man born in sin. God could not put His full anointing on the, a created cherub that fell in iniquity and, and sin and led a rebellion against heaven. God cannot put His full anointing on anything like that. He can only put a temporary anointing on that. He could not do it. Before, before Jesus came and submitted Himself to the agony of the cross and paid the price for our sins and, 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 and completed the work, before that, was, it wasn't even possible for a man to, to retain his anointing. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, you've got the very life of God in you. Right. You're a part of God. You're a seed that came from God and was planted in different parts of time and He comes to you and reveals that to you and pours Himself into you. Everything that God poured into Jesus, people make this so hard. You hear them talk about it and it just goes over. It's like religious mumbo jumbo. God could let go with everything He had and come into a human vessel because that human vessel was perfect and sinless. And then that was the ultimate power of love is He submitted Himself in humility to us so that we could be cleansed, so that we could... If you can't love a God like that, then quit. Just go on. What, what are you doing? How, how can you not see that a God who could be a merciless ogre he could just be the iron fist, the judge. That could be the only way. That's, he's got every right to be. But instead, he loved us. Yeah. 
You ask yourself. I've been asking myself. Do people know that I'm a Christian because of how much I love my brothers and sisters? Do they see it in me? Can they know that without me telling them? Can they see that? Because that's what the scripture says. We have to look at ourselves under the light of the word. So the church has the power that Christ had. Do you believe that? Christ had the power that God had. He said, at that day, you'll know that I am in the Father, the Father in me, I in you, and you in me. I have a comfort at this point in my life that I never knew was possible. That I thought I was still striving for. When he settled this in my heart and his spirit took residence and he shut himself in. You'll find out that God dwells in his church, in his people. The Lord willing Sunday, I want to speak on that or tomorrow night of how God dwells with his people. Now we will find that God does everything or Christ rather, every move that he made on earth had a meaning to it. Can, can, you, can you see it for just a minute? Brother Stewart, every move he made on this earth had a meaning in it. Yeah. He made you. Yeah. There's not just a face in the crowd here if you belong to God. You're not just a face in the crowd. Amen. You're going to have to believe it. You're going to have to take hold of it. You're going to have to see yourself the way God sees you. You're going to have to quit seeing yourself the way the God of your imagination sees you. You'll torment yourself to death doing that. You say, Brother Wes, are you preaching greasy grace? No. No. The more love I see out of Him, the more I want to be like Him. The more I want to be conformed to His image, the more ashamed I am when I fall. The quicker I want to get up and brush myself off and run to him when I make a mistake. It makes me get closer. It makes me get better. It makes me get stronger because that's what he was. And when I see that love for me, that just reckless abandon, he just threw himself at the, at the mercy of sinful men and let him destroy, destroy his body because of his love for us. For his love for the ones that even drove the nails. They spit on him. He said, Brother Wes, you know, we're not supposed to preach. We're not supposed to preach uh, salvation and the cross and all that kind of stuff. That's beneath us. We're a little higher than that. We, we're a little deeper than that, Brother Wes. Okay, haven't you got anything deeper than that? Haven't you got anything stronger than that? Can't you challenge my mind a little better, Brother Wes? Can't you be just a little bit deeper? No. No, it don't get no deeper than that. It don't get no deeper than that love. That's the deepest love I know of. That has no bottom to it. That has no top to it. It's beyond anything our little human minds can conceive of. That love is greater than anything. It's higher than anything. 
God in simplicity is nothing to be ashamed of. Get that Pharisee spirit off of you. Get it off. Shake it off. It'll kill you. It'll drag you to the grave. It'll wear you out. Quit thinking you're better than everybody else. Quit looking down on people. Quit looking at people who've made mistakes and running them down. Pray for them and try to encourage them. See if you can walk them back to the line again. What's the matter? What is happening? They will know we are Christians by our love one for another. Don't write anybody off. If you find yourself looking down, fall to your knees and start looking up. Let's stand. I took you all over the place tonight. I'm sorry. The ultimate show of power is humility. The greatest power I know of is our God. And His example was to get small. As small as you can. And love as much as you can. Thought about that poor woman so many times. How blessed she was. How long, how many times do you think she sat around at night going, after the whole truth was out, I think she sat around and went, back in eternity, he planned this meeting with me. I thought I was going up there to get a jar of water to hide from all the people who were running me down and looking down their nose at me, who hated me who only saw my mistakes and my flaws. I thought I was going up there to to escape them and get my water. And he planned a meeting with me before I was ever born. The King of Heaven. The Messiah. He came there because He needed to. Must needs go through Samaria. He courted her. He came there. Don't take this the wrong way. But he gave her a chance to fall in love with him. And he didn't force himself. He just said, look, this was the God of... This is is God. He could squish any one of us like a bug, but he doesn't choose to do that. It's beyond our comprehension because as as men we see power is being us being stronger than the other guy. Smarter than the other guy. I've got much more revelation than you, brother. Oh, I I see you have a little revelation. Let me help you. I'm so glad he loves me. I heard a brother one time, he said, uh, he said, Whenever I get stumbled in a sermon, he said, I just say, you know Jesus loves you? (laughs) And he said, somehow that just breaks it. The the devil doesn't like to stumble him because he doesn't want him to tell people that. So I'm going to tell you right now. It may be simple, but Jesus loves you. The devil's telling you everything in the world right now. 
It's too hard. This world's too stressful. It's so dark. What am I going to do? I don't know if I can make it another day. Shut up, devil. Jesus loves you. Amen. What more do you need? What more do you want? Well, Wes, I'm not as young as I used to be. I don't, I don't get as excited as I used to. It just doesn't seem, you know, I'm just, shut up. Jesus loves you. That's right. He loves you so much. Think on that for a little while. Believe that. Say it to yourself. Go around singing the song. It's not a children's song. Amen. Well, I ask you, and I don't want you to say it out of tradition. I don't want you to say it out of reflex. I want you to answer it if it's the truth. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Kind of sad. I didn't hear a whole lot of revelation here. Better think about it. That was what the whole plan was. For him to reveal how much he loves you. This is what the whole thing was about. For him to get a bride. That's what the whole thing was about. To romance you. To pick you up in his arms one day and take you away. That's what the whole thing's about. Forget the academia. Forget the complexity that people made it into. And take the simplicity that Brother Miranda preached. Only believe. Just believe. Push away the cobwebs and believe. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I wish... I pray for the wisdom. I pray for the, the ability, the anointing to lift you higher. I don't know how to do it. I want to do it so bad. I want to push you up till, you're, you're, till, till the whole world can see you for who you really are. I want to push you that high. Oh, Lord, you gave us everything. The very life of God lives in us. What more could we ask for? I know that even, even, it was even love tonight that, that brought your presence here to remind us of this, to remind me of this. It's, it's, it's more than we can comprehend, Lord. Help us. Help us. Have mercy on us. Give, us. give us the ability and the revelation to see you for who you really are, for what you, how you really want to be seen. Not somebody's personal agenda, but the way you want to be seen, Lord. Reveal yourself to your people, please. Time is short. We want you. We just miss you so bad. We just miss you. We just want to be with you so bad, Lord. Thank you for this night when we can come together. Thank you for this time we can worship you, Lord. We can exalt you and lift you up. You're so precious to us. We love you, Lord. We dedicate this service to you in Jesus' name. Amen. James and I. The musicians up here. James and I, uh, we went on a little excursion one day. I don't remember what we were doing. We were driving up through the mountains, and there was a, my son James, he's my youngest son. One just got married, if you don't know. We were going up through the, through the mountains, and there was this little bitty church by the road. Little bitty thing. And there was this man standing outside on the front porch of the church. And he could literally reach from the front porch of that church to the street if he wanted to. It's how close it sat to the road. And he had a bunch of stuff out there. And uh, he had a yard sale sign. He was 
raising money for, for his little church there. And uh, I'm one of these people that just can't resist something like that. <laughs> here's, a, here's, a, here, here's a chance to talk to somebody, you know, to talk to a, a preacher or, or somebody, some people who, who, who claim to believe in God, and I get to check them out. I get to see if I can plant a seed. I get to see if I can talk to them. I get to, to me, it's an adventure. It's just an adventure. It's fun for me. I like to meet people like that. And especially in strange situations like a yard sale at a church. That just struck me as odd. And uh, so I thought, well, this is interesting. And the guy was a real interesting looking character. So I go down the road just a little bit. And James is like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> I said, yeah, I am. I was looking for a place to turn around. So we turn around. He said, Dad. Because it's a weird looking situation. This funny looking little man, you know. So... We get out of the car, and he goes, are you Christians? And I said, yes, sir, brother, we are. <laughs> he said, come on down here, come on down here. Me and James are walking up, and he goes, is this your son? I said, yes, sir. And he said, uh, he said, boy, come here, come here, boy. And James come over there. He said, come here, come here. So I walked up, and James walks up, and he goes, that's your daddy? James is like, yeah. And he goes, you love your daddy, boy? James is like, yeah. He goes, hug your daddy. Give your daddy a hug. Tell him you love him. James is like, <laughs> we're standing right beside the street. I mean, there's cars going by. Zoom, zoom. It's a busy, busy road. He goes, you love him? And he goes, yeah. He goes, tell him you love him. I love you, dad. I was like, I love you too, son. He goes, hug him again. Hug him again. We go through this two or three, two or three times. And I was like, it was like heaven for me. It was like hell for James, but it was like heaven for me. <laughs> Started talking to the brother. He's a message believer. He's a preacher. He goes around these mountains up here preaching the message. I've never seen him before. He knew where we, when I told him we were from Happy Valley, he almost did a dance. Took us into his little church there. He said, can I pray for you all? And I was like, well, of course. He said, now I anoint with oil. Is that all right? I was like, yes, sir, brother. I, I'd caught his spirit. I knew that this man loved me. And I loved him. I didn't even know him, you know. I, I just knew he was a believer. And he had a, such a sweet spirit about him. He goes, now I like to pour it till it's running out of your beard, brother. <laughs> James is quiet as a ghost. <laughs> That precious brother anointed us with oil, prayed for us. And he loved us. He loved us. There was no doubt about it. That man loved us. And he wanted to make sure we loved each other. Are we too big for that? Are y'all too big for that? I know you're not. There's so many, so many of you all I can say without a doubt, I know you love me. You've showed me so many ways. You've never given me a way to doubt it. I know that there's those among you that would give your life for me. Without a question, you'd die for me. I know you love me. I'm so grateful. And I love you. I love you. Don't we have a great God? Yeah. Don't we have a great God? Yes, yes. 
How much bigger can you get than that? God bless you. God bless you. Go ahead, brother. It's real. 
tonight. Praise the Lord. God has certainly blessed our church, our assembly here with some wonderful ministers. This being one of them, Brother West being part of it, Brother Joel Brown, and I could just, I'll leave somebody out, sure as the world. But don't we appreciate our local ministry? We certainly do. We certainly appreciate, certainly appreciate every one of them. I want Brother Joe to take us to the Lord in prayer, dismiss us from this service tonight. We'll sing a little bit more after he dismisses as you leave. But keep in mind, we need one another. We need one another right now more than we ever have before. Is that right? Somebody say it's a truth anyhow. Give the Lord a big hand clap of praise if you love him. Brother Joe, God bless you, buddy. Appreciate you, buddy. I don't, uh, I, I don't talk after preachers, but... Um, talking about Brother West. Other than my pastor talking about how much he loves the sheep here. You know a pastor's love from a sheep more by their correction than more by their words of pat you on the back. A pastor tells you love shows his love when he corrects you when it hurts. sets you straight. I've seen another kind of love when my, my two boys got old enough to be in youth group. There's a lot of people in this church means a lot to me. But Brother Rob and Brother Wes have a special place. You don't have to be a minister to be led of God to be a service to people. Yeah. Brother Rob's got an anointing on him yeah. to be a, a servant to the young people like nobody had ever seen that wasn't a minister. Right. I've, I've said it a hundred times and I'll say it a hundred again at times if I bore you with it. Too bad. I don't know where my kids would be. I don't know where many of your kids would be if the Lord hadn't led Brother West and Brother Rob to step into the shoes that they're in today. I've had some of the young people here tell me themselves, I don't know where I would be today if it wasn't for Brother West and Brother Rob. God has many gifts just because it's not your pastor. Just because it's not your pastor your young people, they need, that's why the pastor asked him, some of us ministers to step in and help with the youth because there's a gift there that they accept it. We're not trying to take a role of the pastor. You know, I, Brother Donnie has asked me to help with, with the youth. I'm not taking Brother West's place, Brother Rob's place. I'm putting my shoulder to the wheel with them. That's all we're doing. We're trying to save souls. So remember those brothers. I mean, that's, I never do this. Y'all know I don't never do this, but I, I just, all year, Brother West and Brother Rob has been on my heart. It's just, I can't get them off. Your 10 year old kid might be the last seed. Your 13 year old, your 18 year old might be the, you might be at the brink of where you don't know where they're going to, where they're going to go in life. 
And they might sit in here one, one night and hear Brother West talk on, on Monday night and something strike that seed. That could be the last one. So continue to lift them up in prayers and pray. Brother Brandon, if you don't mind, we'll sing Wasn't That Love as we go. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful. Lord, we're so grateful for your gifts, Lord, how you hand them out. How the gifts react to our, our different personalities, our different makeups, Lord. But it's all you. It's all you, Lord. It's your expression of love. Lord, I love the way Brother, Le Brother West loves, Lord. It just, you see it in his actions, his life, the way he treats people. Lord, I want to love like that. Lord, as we go from here tonight, Lord, may something in our heart strike us, Father, the love that you have, that you laid down your own life. You said no greater love than a man laid down his life for his friend. You didn't say his brother, his wife, her husband. You said a friend. You were our friend, Lord, because you loved us. Lord, may we take them words that we hear, heard here tonight, Father. May we leave our water pot and just run to the arms of the one that loves us. May we tell it. May our life tell it. I pray that you would be with us. Go with us. Bless the services to come. Bless your young people, Lord. Bless the sick, the afflicted, the hands that were raised, requests that were read. Lord, you know everyone. We're so thankful. Lord, we thank you for touching Brother Eric Krause, Brother Richard Baker. Lord, may they heal swiftly, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Yeah, I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see
to my 